Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jags Den Podcast, the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're lying. Hey, I'm Phil Smith, <laughs> a.k.a. Phil Filipino. <laughs> and that's uh, Phil Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And we are running duos here tonight, me and our leader, James Johnson, of the Jaguars Wire. Jay, it's good to be back and at least at two-thirds strength. Uh, how's it going tonight, buddy? Good, man. Just a, you know, a little tired running a midnight episode here and, uh, you know, yeah, it's burning been a, the midnight oil. Yeah, <laughs> pack twelve after dark type of thing, or what? What is it? Pack ten now? <laughs> I don't know the number. Yeah, whatever. AEW <laughs> after dark, whatever they want to call it. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, man. I mean, of course, it's been a busy week. Um, so you know, that has uh worn on me. But um, again, I love providing the people with content. So we're here. <laughs> yeah. But- Week is an understatement, I think. We got a lot of stuff to talk about here tonight, you guys. And uh, Jacob couldn't join us here. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it's like 1230 uh, Eastern time. So I was doing some other work, and so was Jay. And, you know, we record when we can. And uh, hopefully we have some exciting <laughs> news to share with you guys uh, down the down the pipeline. We got some exciting stuff uh, going on. Uh, before we before we continue and get into this week's topics, just want to, of course, make sure that you are checking out uh, jaguarswire.usatoday.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Jaguars Wire, the podcast at Jags Den Podcast. You can find Jay at Sports Grind underscore Don, myself, as I mentioned, Phil the Filipino, F I L I P I N O, and our buddy Jacob at underscore Jay Della. Make sure that you're checking out and following the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn in iHeartRadio and Spotify, as well as the Audio Boom Network via USA Today. And if you want to support the podcast, one of the best ways you can do that is go on to iTunes and drop that five-star review if you feel like we have earned it. So, Jay, we're going to get right into the big topic of the week. And, of course, you know, we're not going not, – not, uh, no quick hits here tonight. We're just going to get into the big news, all right? We're not going to sugarcoat it or anything. <laughs> right. The Jaguar Dog Park. Let's talk about that. You know, I feel like we haven't <laughs> talked about that enough this, this year. Pet paradise, baby. No. <laughs> oh, man. I got to take snuggles there, man. Exactly, right? Yeah, man. That place, that's the, honestly the happiest place in the stadium because those dogs don't know what going, what are, what's going on. And they have no loyalty to anybody but their own, their own people. They don't care about the Jags because they're living much better lives than we are. But anyway, of course... What we're going to talk about first is the Jalen Ramsey trade. It finally happened. And, you know, when when we first saw the Mike Marcus Peters trade, it was interesting to me because 
they just had put Akib Talib on the on IR. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I asked you, is this maybe a, a destination for Jalen? And you had mentioned, you know, there were ties between the, uh, of course, Dave Caldwell and the GM at, over in in LA, and then Leslie. within really a matter, yep, there we go, and then really in a matter of, of maybe an hour or so, if that, we heard the Jalen news. Of course, um, he was traded to the LA Rams for um, two first round picks as well as a fourth. So Jay. How did we get to this point? What was your reaction, and what what now for both of these teams? You know, for both the Jags and the Rams. Uh, you know, maybe people might be a little sick of you know hearing about Jalen, but as you said earlier, Jay, we got a job to do. So <laughs> yeah. why, don't go, why don't you go ahead and start off with uh, with this Jalen news? Yeah. So I mean, you know, I, we actually explain how we got to this point in a podcast that I never got to post me and you, but make no mistake about it. This one is going to get posted, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I mean, we just, we got to this point with the Tom Coughlin situation. We all heard, uh, I think Jake Glazer was one of the people to report it. Stephen A. Smith reported it. Um, You know, they had a meeting uh, and Jalen left the meeting frustrated. Um, Only God knows what was said in that meeting. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't anything too uh, bad between those two, but Jalen left it felt, feeling disrespected and uh that caused him to want to trade he called his agent david mulligata and the rest is history so i mean i would think it wasn't i don't know like i don't we weren't there so we can't say what was said in the meeting but i would i would think it's not uh that bad along the lines of racial or whatever the case may be uh because i feel like Jalen would have told his agent and his agent would have you know relayed that through social media. He's very active on social media, by the way. Or, you know, Jalen would have at least told some teammates because, of course, you don't want your teammates playing for an organization that, you know, is allowing this. So um, it was probably something I, we don't know. I, I guess I won't go into details like of, of what it could be because we don't know. Uh, but, you know, in, in this situation, I believe both sides, and me and you have talked about this, I think both sides – uh, that their hands are dirty in this situation. And I think the organization is wrong for how they handled it because I think like Doug Marone should have handled any issues that he had with Jalen Ramsey, not Tom Coughlin, because Doug Marone is the head coach of this football team. Uh, so, you know, for Tom Coughlin to step in and have a meeting with Ramsey, you know, I guess he's like overstepping his boundaries there because – Again, I think that's kind of Doug Marone's type of thing to handle or whatever the issue may have been. And then on Jalen's side, you know, I've said this on my podcast with Josh on the back shoulder fade. Please feel free to check that out. Uh, I just think like he could have been more mature about certain situations. And uh, I I think like you could you could tell like his agent kind of got into his head or his agent was talking to him because he was saying things that weren't like characteristic of him me and you talked about that too i think me and you exchanged texts about that uh but yeah the the whole thing you know my body's tired and you know this that and the other like at the moment i heard that on the week 17 podcast or the 17 weeks podcast by uninterrupted i was like this don't sound like Jalen. he's never really been a guy uh that complains you know like he if he was dealing with injuries he's always been a guy that you really didn't know about he didn't he didn't telegraph it or talk about it and he was more along the lines of a guy like look whatever i'm going through i'm a play that's always been him in my opinion at least um, we don't know him personally so 
long story short, uh, that's why I think like both sides hands are kind of dirty in this situation. But I think the organization more so looks bad than Jalen uh, because at the end of the day, they're giving up a franchise player and a generational talent. Yeah, and that's one thing that I, I actually mentioned on, on Facebook today and some people in the fan base took exception to it. And I, I want to echo what you were saying, right? There's definitely blame on, on both sides here. Um, mm-hmm. J- Jalen, I think you have mentioned this before, I think does have a little maturing and growing up to do. Um, and I'm not a fan of how some of this was handled. I'm, I'm definitely not in as much as I do not like Doug Marone, can't put your hands on your coach, man. You can't do it. Yeah, I don't. Right. You, oh yeah, you, I left that out too. That. Yeah, that was that was you know that to me like that was just yeah. You know, even albeit it was a light shove, you know what I'm saying. But right. still, like Doug doesn't put his hands on you. You don't put your hands on no. him now. I, and I did say this now, like Doug. Luckily, Doug was the type of coach that you know Doug grew up in the Bronx. Like it was no big deal to him. But, you know, it's some other coaches that might not allow that. It might not be too uh, accepting to that. But, you know, that's neither here neither there. Yeah. It, you know, like I said, from the from the start, not, not 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 OK. But at the same time, what my main sentiment was that I had posted that, uh, you know, we, I, it did get some people. Agree. I would say I would say it's probably about a 30 percent uh, out of the people that commented <laughs> agreed with me. And it's I feel like this. This whole situation really reflects poorly on the coaching staff in the front office, maybe more so the front office and the coaching staff, because they should not have let it get to this point. Right. And that's a, tes- a testament against Tom Coughlin and – why am I blanking on our GM? And, uh, Dave um, Caldwell. Caldwell. Dave Caldwell. That, that it should not have gotten to this point. First off, you know, Jalen – really fell to us at five you mm-hmm. know there was everyone thought he was going to be taken by by the cowboys and then you know they went zeke and then the rest is history so you got a guy automatically who's who's feeling shunned and and disappointed especially a guy like jalen who, who probably felt like he could go number one that who did go number one that year 2016 was it the quarterbacks was it the two quarterbacks uh, was that, was that the, i know uh, that was the year with leonard williams wasn't it uh, that went. I had to, it was 2016, but uh, while you continue to talk, I'll look that up. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, the guy that fell to you, and a, and a, and a guy who has, and I think it was Mina Kimes. I was listening to earlier. She was on Golik and Wingo, who has literally been the best draft pick that Caldwell has had. You can make the argument that um, um, two and uh, you know who the second and third best are, but number one has been Jalen, and then mm-hmm. really it's a guy he didn't really, he couldn't have missed. You know what I mean? It, right. it, you just fell into his lap and it's like, oh, here you go. Best player available? Easily, easy, easy pick. And yeah. I was in the stadium that night when we took him in and, and the place went absolutely nuts. Like, and you know, I still have a video of it on my phone because it was like, holy crap, we got that guy. It was similar to when we got Justin Blackman. Remember that? We were in Alehouse yeah. and we got Justin Blackman. We got video you know, of that too. Yep. And, you know, it was similar to that because so often this team this franchise does not get that guy you know we always like man i would love for for this guy to be here you know but instead we take luke jokel well lately lately the tides have turned you know what i'm saying like we we've been getting lucky a little lately like with miles jack and 
Allen, and Josh Allen. And yeah. Let's hope that let's hope that four years down the road we're not going through this with Josh Allen. You know what I mean? I <laughs> so know, right? Let's just hope that. But but what I what the other thing I was saying is, and and I think Jacob also echoed this as well when the trade happened is if you do not get the right person in the front office, mm. these picks do not matter. They, they not won't matter at all so hopefully they get the right guys in there and you know a lot of the a lot of the things i've been seeing are oh jalen quit on us and you know blank jalen you know and i get people's feelings are hurt because they love the city and they love the team i get it mm-hmm. but they need to do they still need to direct some of this anger and frustration at the people that are directly involved at the top and i think and i told you this earlier i think now that Sean, Sean, now that Shad is paying attention, I think that bodes poorly for the future of David Caldwell and Tom Coughlin because I think now he's seen what's going on. He sees that there's, you know, there's there's frustration and there's cracks in the foundation, mm-hmm. and I think that means that hopefully we're going to see some change very very soon. And even even I think Tony is paying a little bit more attention, even though he's got his own thing going on. I think even he is paying attention more because. You know, at the end of the day, they still need this franchise to be successful so they can turn a profit. It's a business. Right. You know, we don't they don't want this team to be a joke. They don't want to be the owners of it, of of the bag wars again. You know what I mean? Right, That's right. not where where we want to go. This team just has too much talent. So too much young talent to go all out dolphins like you and I were talking about earlier yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, they're <clears throat> they're too good to go to be that. Honestly, they really are. So. That's one thing I think people are missing, but we, you know, we'll we'll see. What did you think of the compensation? Do you think we got? Do you think we got a good compensation as far as you know? The, uh, there were reports that the Eagles were calling pretty much every week. Uh, the Chiefs were probably involved. The Ravens, you know, gave us that offer earlier in the uh, uh, earlier uh, in the season. You know, what did you think of the compensation that they got back from LA? Well, first I wanted to go back to something that you were saying about uh, you know, you think they'll be changed in terms of the future, in terms of the front office, and I do too because one thing i did want to echo from you is that uh when jalen ramsey left and shot khan had to trade ultimately his franchise player i think with that came uh probably the jobs of tom coughlin and dave caldwell and i, I mean i think like i don't know how much of this we can blame on dave because he's not really in charge anymore you know what i'm saying he's just you know he's just under Tom and he, I guess he has to right. answer to orders and, you know, do what Tom says do, or, or, you know, Tom's the leader of the front office. So, but that being said, like I said, yeah, the fact that Shaq Khan had to even get involved in this too, that's another thing. Um, and you know, he's a busy man. He's a billionaire for crying out loud. Like he manufactures a good majority of the world's bumpers, you know what I'm saying? So, Uh, The fact that he had to get involved and he, you know, like it was reports saying that I think from it was from AP Mark Loan that he had to stick around of, you know, which is kind of not typical of Shad Khan. He stuck around for some days around the facility to make sure things were going right after Jalen requested the trade. So this was after weeks two, two's loss to the Houston Texans. So that being said, though, I think, yeah, like the fact that he had to trade Jalen Ramsey will have repercussions in itself for uh the front office and that being um Coughlin and Caldwell so like you know while they did get in a lot of good picks which I'm going to talk on because you just asked about the conference compensation uh I don't think they'll be using those picks or at least 
not Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell will. So, yeah, on the compensation, um, yeah, that, me and you all, we said it all along. Like, I would not trade Jalen Ramsey for anything less than two firsts. And they got two firsts and some. Um, you know, like, I looked at the Khalil Mack deal. I can't remember, like, what the specifics of it was. But I don't think it was nearly as good as that one. But that's not to say this wasn't a good deal. So, I mean, a, a they set themselves up pretty good in terms of the future. And who knows, you know, if Gardner Minshew is not the guy, they could package those picks up. That's four first rounders they could package up and, uh, you know, come up and get a quarterback. So, you know, that that is where it all starts for uh, a new GM or a franchise that's trying to rebuild or whatever the case may be. So uh, that's good for them. Um, I, I do like that. Another thing I guess I'll say is with the Rams, they they are kind of a sketchy team. They're kind of iffy team. And me and you and Jacob had talked about this. Jacob was saying that the Baltimore Ravens deal was a better one. And I, me and you were like, no, not at all. Um, I forget the specifics. I think it was a first, a second, and Hayden and Hurst or something like that. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that was it. Okay, so, I mean, like, look, man, the Baltimore Ravens are a very savvy, smart front office uh even without Ozzie Newsom who retired I think Eric DaCosta is running that ship now who's been under Ozzie for many many years they're a smart smart franchise the fact that they put Hayden Hurst in that trade to me especially after taking Hayden Hurst just a year ago says that they're giving up on him in my opinion even though we need a tight end even though he's from Jacksonville yada 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 to me I think they're savvy enough front office to where it was telling that Hayden Hurst was in that deal and besides like you, me and you said like the Jaguars need two first round picks for all pro talent that is under the age of 24 a uh, multiple time pro bowler like anything less is unacceptable and furthermore I think this is a better deal and a good deal is a better one than the the Baltimore Ravens situation because the Baltimore Ravens to me are a little bit more stable I think the Baltimore Ravens are uh, going to be in the playoffs this year. I don't know if I can, as talented as the Rams are, I don't know if I can say that for the Rams. And if they get into the playoffs, I can see where they could be one and done. So those picks, the good thing about it is those picks could be significantly uh, higher in the pecking order, in the draft order, than most expect. I mean, I know people look at the Rams and look at how talented they are, but they're not playing to their potential and I think the Ravens are a much more stable organization, and therefore uh, the draft compensation uh, is much better. Yeah, and I think that's one uh, for, for sure to, to start on what you were saying first about the Ravens, uh, the Ravens deal. Yeah, they they don't need Hayden Hurst anymore. You know, they got Mark Andrews, um, right. and and he's flourishing. And and here's the thing: we we just drafted. Josh Oliver, who hopefully will make his debut this weekend, that you were you were writing about earlier, and mm-hmm. I mean, you, why why would you take on a Hayden Hurst when you may already have a better version of him on the roster just waiting right. to be cleared? You know what I mean? You don't you know it's unfortunate what happened to uh, O'Shaughnessy, and I believe the Hayden Hurst offer came before O'Shaughnessy um, got hurt, but right. they they seem to. They seem to, for whatever reason, be okay with Jeff Swaim, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's because they have very, very high hopes for Oliver. And you don't, you don't take on Hayden Hurst if you, if you already have a guy that you think is probably better than him on the roster. Right. So that was uh, that I think was out of the question to begin with. And uh, just to talk about uh, what you said earlier, the Bears got two firsts. A, I'm sorry, the, the Raiders got a two firsts, 
a third and a six round pick for Khalil Mack um, in that trade. So um, and I, I would have better. to look at, yeah, and I would have to look at what uh, what they've selected. And that's another thing too is you're most likely not going to get a a, a talent on par with with Jalen. No, this. Now yeah. what you need what you need to do is hit on those picks. You, mm-hmm. you got to get starters with the with these picks and i I was saying uh earlier i don't even i'm not even confident that the rams are going to make the playoffs they might not they might not even they may be the third best team in their own division you know i mean you you gotta look at the of course i think man the way that the and i'm gonna go off a little bit on tangent here but the way the seahawks are playing they might be the best team in the nfc i mean they are solid the way russell wilson is playing he might be the mvp right now um and then here tonight we saw um unfortunately we saw the madden curse pop up again paid um um patrick, patrick Mahomes just went down yeah. but i mean Ryan, i think he's okay though Seahawks, he just popped his knee that's what yeah. the reports say thank god right yeah yeah and then you know hopefully he'll be okay but between the um between the other teams in in the conference yeah you know, i mean in their own and then also the niners who were doing things the Patriot way, you know, you had a, you had a great defense and then a quarterback who's doing just enough. So, I mean, you look at, so one of those two teams is going to take up one of those wildcard spots between the Niners and the Seahawks. And then the other spot you have, you have the Vikings, you have the bears, the Panthers. So those are three teams right now, um, especially the Panthers and, you know, God forbid the Vikings figure things out. That's a scary roster as well. And um, the offensively, the Rams are just not where they need to be right now. And Jalen Ramsey, last I checked does not throw or run with the football exactly. on the offense side. So I, I, I think, and, and we, t- and man, the Rams, in a year or two are going to be in salary cap hell. And they kind of are already, they mm-hmm. are going to be a mess. They're going to be a disaster. And, but really this was all about, I think this was as much as they are in win now mode. I think a lot of this had to do with, we're going into this big, shiny new stadium next year. Let's do whatever we need to put on a, put a product on the field, hopefully, or at least names on the field right. that are going Box to draw. I mean, exactly. Yep. You know, they, they, that's what that city is all about, man. The just the the show, and Jalen's going to give him a show. So mm-hmm. I I really um, I, I really think that they, there's a chance that they might not even be in the playoffs. So I'm happy they got two first. I think you said earlier in the day this the 2021 pick may be really good. It may end up mm-hmm. being something in the top 15 because of where the Rams have aligned themselves as far as salary cap and just fielding a team forget forget, (laughs) we'll see we'll see what happens with with them next year so and then a fourth round pick that's still good that's a that's a good value pick and i think if you get the right people in here that are smart enough and savvy enough and they have a a guy in mind then they can maneuver these picks into something even even better you know i think that's what the play Mm -hmm. will be come draft time is how are they going to use this capital to move up or move around and get the guys that they they really really want is it going to be a quarterback probably not i wouldn't if i were the band base i wouldn't look into that they invest a lot of money into nick Foles, and i think you know with with the with what gardner has shown i think you probably keep mentoring him you know what i mean maybe you know see what happens there uh, my concern with Gardner is I, what I told you earlier is his arm strength is not is is probably not NFL level, but Mine's he might have too. the intangibles to be okay. Yeah, 
he he might have the intangibles, and you you really can't overlook that. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But I think you get I think they got good. This is probably hopefully the best offer they got on the table. I wouldn't have taken this same deal from Kansas City um, or maybe even Philadelphia, honestly, unless Philly, unless Philly came through. If if they were, my hope was if they were calling every single week. My hope was that they would eventually get desperate and and overpay. You know what I mean? I was hoping mm-hmm. that that would happen at some point. Um, I did not want to see him in the NFC East, but if they were going to overpay, uh, then you know, take that deal. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, of course, we really won't know the, the exactly how this trade pans out for a couple of a, a couple of years. So, you know, what what as far as who do you think who do you think won this trade? If you want, if you did want to declare a winner, um, in terms, of, I, I'll do this uh, first place was Jalen Ramsey because he got out of the he ultimately got out of Jacksonville like he wanted to. Uh second place was the Jags. Uh because while they did lose a franchise player, that's why they didn't get first place, of course. They were able to get two first round picks and some extra for him. Third place is the Saint uh not St. Louis, but Los Angeles Rams because they've crippled themselves like me and you just talked about in the future. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, they have, what, no first-round picks for the next five years. Is you're going to be in salary cap hell, you're going to have to build through the draft. And to not be able to do that without – to be well, to have to do that without first-round picks is very difficult. Uh, so you're basically going to have to build your team around second and third and fourth-round talents. Um, and God knows it's even harder to do that past those rounds. So I think, you know what I'm saying, like – the Rams, they you know the team that they have now, they have to win with, and if they don't, it's gonna the you know what's gonna hit the fan and it's gonna go down real real fast and relatively quickly, and people are gonna be like, what in God's name happened to this team? Yeah, I would probably I'd probably go there, and then maybe the agent is one A, <laughs> you know, getting his yeah, Mulligetta, yeah, his, yeah, getting his guy what he wants, and I mean this guy he's. He's he's a proven commodity in the league that that uh, that agent, but um, yeah, I I would probably echo that as as well. Um, yeah, the, the Rams, man, you know, it, it would be it'd be interesting to see what the what our friends over at uh, it's it's Rams Talk, right? I believe is the name of the the podcast. Yeah, um, Rams Talk. Yeah, with I, um, very shout to outs see. to them, by the way, <laughs> my guys, man. Yeah. I, I would like to see what what they're thinking as far as the future, but yeah, they are absolutely in win now mode and it better pan out i mean you still got a guy in jared goff who a lot of people aren't very aren't sold on but he's making a lot of money you got todd Gurley, who health-wise you never you don't know what's going to happen with with him um you know you got uh what are you going to do with with brandon cooks and you know with that, with that contract and then uh aaron donald and man you're gonna have to pay jalen pretty maybe if not next year but very very soon and man it's Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to watch, and you just hope that Jacksonville can turn these picks in, into some kind of into some kind of value. Um, ultimately, um, do you think Jalen plays out the long term in in LA, or do you think he's going to have a Dion style career and move around quite a bit? Yeah, I think he's going to move around. I don't think he plays his career out in LA because of the reasons we just we just mentioned. And you know, if you're less need like. Who's to say you can go to Jalen Ramsey and say, hey, I'm paying Aaron Donald to be the second 
or the first highest paid defensive player in NFL history. I'm paying Jared Goff to be the fourth highest paid player in defense uh, in offensive history. I'm I'm paying Todd Gurley to be the second highest paid running back in history of the NFL. You know, it's Jalen going to want to hear that. And a lot of people will say, well, hey, they own his rights. Well, he just showed us here in Jacksonville that he could get out of it if he wanted to. And, you know, he could scheme his way up out of L.A. if he wanted to. But furthermore, like with Jalen, I don't think that L.A. is necessarily in his long term plans either, because he said it on Busting with the Boys that he wants to go to either Nashville. Obviously, that's the Titans. That's his home. That's the team he grew up watching this, that and the other. His family's there. Uh, And the other one was the Las Vegas uh, or is it? Oh, yeah, Las Raiders. Vegas, Oakland Raiders, yeah. whatever you want to call them, uh, right now. Yeah. And I think, if I can recall, he said the Las Vegas Raiders because, and don't quote me on this, but I think it was because they don't have any state income tax similar to uh, Florida. So to me, that says that he might not like uh, getting a big time contract in the state of California because we all know they they those taxes hit differently there. And oh, yeah. I, I think like from that, pers- see that his very first game check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He goes. He's going to notice a big time cut in terms of those taxes, because we all know the saying Uncle Sam is going to get his. And that's exactly will that's will exactly be the case for the highest paid corner in football. So for all of those reasons, but mainly that reason, the last one, I don't think he stays there. Yeah. Like, I mean, he draws a lot of comparison and. and- to Dion and Dion's a very big fan of Jalen as well. So I, I could definitely see him going, but my worst fear is he ends up in Tennessee, man. We got to play him twice a year. And, <laughs> Oh God, I just, I really just don't want that. But, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I could definitely see him playing out, uh, his career in, in, in multiple places and, uh, wishes, you know, with a guy like that, um, it, it wouldn't be too surprising. It, it, there's not going to be any shortage of suitors for him, right. for him either. So, so yeah, I can definitely see him. But I, I can definitely, I can, I can say, and I think I speak for you as, as well, Jay. I definitely wish him the best. Hope he does some growing. Hope that he is happy, genuinely happy. You know, and hope wish his family the best. Uh, um, you know, of course, we he had his ups and downs here in Jacksonville, but uh, overall, I don't think he ever really did anything that was. Um, with with any an intentional ill content, um, I, I do hope he does. Like I said, some growing, and um, wish him the best of luck. Truly, because he's a he, he's a great player, and we we enjoy watching him play. And uh, we'll see what's what's next for him. But uh, you know, we we want to move forward and and see what's what's next for for this team and this franchise. And we focus on the guys that are here in the locker room. That's the cliche that the coaches, you know, like to say, we focus on who's here and who's suiting up. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll move on from the Jalen stuff as everybody seems to want us to do. Uh, and we'll talk about, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the last week's game against the Orleans Saints. So as far as individual stats go for the Jags, uh, nothing really standing out. Um, I, I kind of predicted that we may see a, uh, we may see Gardner 
struggle here a little bit. Minshew Mania took a little bit of a pit stop uh, this past week. Uh, he went 14 to 2963 yards, one interception. Uh, some he had some crazy stat like it was his first interception, like 164 throws. Some insane. I think since week one, that was his first interception since week one. Uh, but he, you know, he didn't didn't really ever look comfortable. Couldn't get in sync with his receivers. D.D. Westbrook led the way in terms of yardage. Three catches, 53 yards. Six catches, 46 yards for Leonard Fournette. Three carries. I mean, sorry, three catches, 43 yards for D.J. Chark. And then on the run, uh, the running game, uh, Leonard Fournette struggled. 20 carries, 72 yards. Again, didn't really ever seem to get anything going. On the Saints side of things, Teddy Bridgewater continuing to uh, to impress, as I mentioned earlier, 24, 36, 240 yards, and then the game's only touchdown. Um, and then Latavius Murray, eight carries, 44 yards. Alvin Kamara, 11 carries, 31 yards, who I thought would have a much more successful day. But really, it was just a defensive struggle all mm-hmm. the way around. Michael Thomas did find some uh, some success, eight, ca- uh, eight catches. 489 yards on his end uh so yeah like like i said kind of a, in terms of excitement not a whole lot here hopefully fans weren't um weren't too warm out there um but but yeah as far as the the box score you know we'll get into the good the bad and the ugly for the entire game um we'll start with the good uh, defense continuing to look pretty solid we saw them have a good performance against houston and unfortunately, the offense couldn't come up. We saw similar results here, um, and against uh, in, in earlier, you know, a Houston team that may be proving to be one of the best teams in the league. That's yet to be seen. Um, but as far as the offense, uh, specifically against the run, only average uh, allowing 65 total rushing yards. Uh, what did you see there from the defense that stood out for you, and that should have Jaguar fans, even with the absence of Jalen, what, what should have us, you know, a little optimistic? Yeah, well, they. It seems like with the defense. This team is so inconsistent in terms of the two main units. When the defense shows up, the offense don't show up. And when the offense shows up, the defense doesn't show up. So, you know, it's just been inconsistency on both ends. Um, that being said, they corrected their problem. Their problem, And the, the Jaguars have shown the ability to do this on defense. Todd Wash has shown the ability to do this. Uh, that's, all, that's kind of part of the issue is that it's never consistent. But... They corrected their main, their biggest mistake from week six, which was stopping the run. Christian McCaffrey still is running from the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point. He almost ran to freaking Savannah on us. And then here we have a performance where Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray and company, they're, they're held to what was it, 65 yards on the date. Yeah. So they, you know what I'm saying? They did what they had to do in terms of stopping the run. And uh, Sean Payton even said it in halftime, like, we got to get the run going or this game is going to be low score and it's not going to go our way We need because we need to find balance. The Jaguars took that at least the balance part of it away from the New Orleans Saints. And again, this is a New Orleans Saints with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback as opposed to Drew Brees. So they took away the run from them. Um, and part of that was, you know, I think it came out this week that Alvin Kamara, uh, that that injury, the ankle injury, I believe it is, is really bothering him. And uh, maybe that, that was part of it. But, I mean, the Jaguars just, you know, they played sound in the run game. So uh, that was good. And uh, hopefully it continues. Like, we don't want to be – into next week against the Bengals and who is it? I think they got uh Joe Mixon running up and down the field on us. Like, you know, it, now it's a matter of the consistency against the run. 
And if they could do that for the most part, you know, they can kind of get by uh, with with their defense because, again, you're making teams one-dimensional, and typically teams can't win in those type of circumstances. So, uh, you know, I guess we can give kudos to Todd Watch, who I've been hard on and all of us have been hard on uh, for correcting the mistake uh, heading forward. Will it continue to be that way? And um, also, you know, they do need to tighten up against the pass. I mean, Trey Herndon, you know, he's no Jalen Ramsey and he has been getting beat here and there. So we'll see. But that's another topic for another time, I guess. Yeah, I don't think we have enough time to to discuss Trey Herndon now. <laughs> we'll right. just, we just, but, you know, hey, hey, he's the guy now. And we'll hope, we, we definitely hope that he's able to to step up. Uh, so, you know, and, and of course, uh, the opposite end of there, as I mentioned, Gardner Minshew struggled pretty, pretty bad, 14 and 29. 163 yards and that interception the Saints made him play for the pocket a play from the pocket and you know a lot of things that we've seen as far as Minshew magic you know we've seen him get out of those situations and that wasn't there uh, what, what did the Saints do you know to, to keep him bottled up and to just keep him uncomfortable he never got into a rhythm at, at any point in this game and what did, what did the Saints do I mean honestly I think what people are missing is the Saints have a have an excellent defense you know they've, they've yep. got a great a, a great front front line and then they, you know you back that up with Marshawn Lattimore in the backfield along with others you know what, what were the Saints able to do uh, to keep Minshew magic from from raining another from, from raining another week yeah um you know they actually um it was a podcast I listened to recently yeah it was locked on Jags I think uh, T. Wade did a good job of talking about this on his podcast uh but what they did was in in terms of stopping Minshew, they used the old one gap and hold technique. And basically, the the one gap and hold concept is um people probably heard your man uh, Pete Carroll talk about it, but it's basically where they're not like rushing with full intent to get to the quarterback. Basically, that instead they're rushing to close down any lanes between the guards and the centers and so on and so forth for the quarterback to escape out of. So basically they're making them play within the confines of the pocket. And we saw it was one time where Minshew tried to uh, get out of the pocket and the defensive tackle, I forget who it was. I don't think it was Sheldon Rankins, but it was somebody else was there before he could get to the line of scrimmage. And he basically met him at the line of scrimmage. So they basically looked at that Denver Broncos tape, especially and how Minshew was able to get out of the pocket and extend plays. And because as we know in today's day and age, when you extend plays for more than four seconds, chances are the offense is going to come away with the ball in some capacity. The receiver or or it's going to end up being a big run for the, from the quarterback getting out of the pocket. Or sometimes, in some cases, it end up if it goes on too long, it'll end up being a hold for either side of the ball. So... That being said, they didn't want Gardner Minshew prolonging plays uh, because that's where he's really flourished over time, at least the last two weeks or so. And uh, they they did a good job of that and keeping that pocket tight and making him play from the pocket. And again, he's not the tallest guy in the world. What is he? Six feet. uh, Doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. So a lot of the throws he was trying to make, you know, these these throws were coming in a lot of traffic by the way too because they were playing a lot of people in the um being that they weren't rushing that hard but they were playing a lot of people in the passing lanes so really it's just it was just a matter of Dennis Allen really the predominant pass rusher in the game was Cameron Jordan the rest of the the uh defensive line they kind of had him on chill like hey rush but you know what I'm saying don't get 
too out of place or or too carried away with the rush. Uh, so therefore, Minshew won't be able to escape in the pocket, and it worked uh, magnificently. I mean, Cam Jordan got two sacks. Uh, he threw his first pick in forever, like you said, uh, which was a misfire to DJ Chark. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't know what to do uh, from the confines of the pocket. And that's something that John Filippo has owned up to in terms of, you know, how the game plan went. And it's something they're going to have to try and fix heading forward because more teams are going to attack them in that manner. Uh, the only issue is there aren't a lot of teams that have the talent that the Saints do. So, you know, I guess that's the good thing you could take out of this is that Gardner Mitchell is not going to be facing a bunch of Marshawn Lattimore's and Cameron Jordan's and uh, DeMario Davis's and whoever else, Von Bell, whoever else they got on their, their defense uh, throughout each week, basically. Yeah, it's definitely a learning experience for him. I think it's good to get it to get it out of the way, you know, um, of course, everyone just expecting, you know, the, these amazing things from him every single week. And I, I think what's getting lost is we all still forget he is a rookie. He's exactly. doing non-rookie things, but he's still a, a rookie. And I think he, to get this one out of the way early, if they feel like they found a gem, you know, late, uh, if, they, if they fell into this and it, it's okay for him to, to – he's going to struggle from, from time to time. He's not going to mm-hmm. be able to do anything, especially when there's no running game and you know people aren't able to get open. It, it, this wasn't, wasn't all on him and you know these, these lofty expectations. And, and I think one thing that, that people are – one reason they're so drawn to him is he's just very, very aware of his surroundings. He knows this can come to an end at any moment. And even when he's having this success, one thing that I love so much and, and from maybe all quarterbacks do this, but you know, just me noticing it, you know, after he had that incredible, incredible play in Denver where, you know, Brett Farbass getting out of the pocket and throwing that touchdown. Uh, he's celebrating on the field. Yeah, absolutely. But then immediately seeing him on that tablet and, and just looking at what he's going to do next and everything. And I think that's, that. like I said, I think a lot of quarterbacks, of course, they all do that. But it was just, I just I like that he's constantly trying to learn and get better um, for, you know, for this team. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what he does next up against a, I think he'll, he's in, in line for a rebound game against the Cincinnati <laughs> team. That's just not very good you know i yeah. don't know what what's going on they, they are the bungles again and you know for a team <laughs> that they that that's uh that's unfortunately where they're where they're at for for that fan base but the good um getting back to the positives uh we got josh lambeau who we signed on this day not only did we sign him on this day you guys we marked the release of jason myers who just for whatever reason <laughs> could wow. not get it going here and you know what's crazy he was a, he was a pro bowler last year yeah you know? man and, which is proof that sometimes you just need a change of scenery and as much grief that i i i, I cannot say that I, that I was ever the bigger person i gave that guy so much crap i'm i was happy to see him get some success but not <laughs> did only you did make we, the account or something yeah, I, I made the account. Did Myers make it uh, on Twitter? And then all of a sudden, he started making field goals. So it was it was totally useless. I have no idea what happened to that account. Uh, but yeah, he scored the team's only points, and he's now made 52 of 55 field goal attempts since joining the Jaguars in October of 2017. He's got a 94.5% field goal percentage, good for the highest in team history. And he's now 14 of 14 on the year um you know jay with so many teams having struggles at the kicking position mm-hmm. doesn't it feel great to just have this guy who's who seems to be automatic and 
you look at the Chargers now, right now who, who have been struggling, like how did they let this guy go? But again, maybe an instance of change of scenery right. helped this guy out. Yeah, I've always, and I probably need to do an article on it. It's not necessarily on the Jazz wire, but like independently, because I've always said this, special teams is becoming a lost art in today's football. And, um, you know, when, when something like that happens, I think it goes back to uh, – you got to go back to the, the fundamentals of football. Well, the lowest levels, you know what I'm saying? Or, or you know, go back to the high school levels. Is is uh, special teams being coached properly on the high school level, the college level, uh, the NFL level? Because it's, it seems to be a lost art, especially on the two highest levels, and that's college and uh, the professional league. So, you know, that's probably something that uh, that needs to be stressed early. You know, and, and maybe, you know, the NFL needs to look into that uh, because, yeah, it is becoming a lost art. And, you know, like you said, in a game where there is so so much special team struggles going on and kickers missing kicks left and right. And you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who drafted Roberto Aguayo, uh, what was it, four, five, six years ago, spending a third round pick on him. And now he's not even on a team, if I can recall, like. It's just craziness going on in terms of special teams. But, yeah, in a day and age where you have things like that going on and struggling, uh, kickers struggling left and right, it's great to have a guy like Josh Lambeau who's found a resurgence. And uh, I think a lot of it might be uh, they might need to just give some credit to um, Joe D. Camillus, who is uh, one of the better special teams coaches in football. Although, you know, we struggled with a penalty problem early in his tenure uh, when he was named the the special teams uh, coach. But. Now, uh, he's really, really, especially since linking up with Josh Lambeau, uh, he's done his career some justice. Uh, he's got him kicking confidently. And uh, that's all you can ask for. You know, he, despite all of this bad that we got to talk about, uh, be very, very thankful that we got a kicker. That if it came to it, a game winning field goal, we got a guy that can go out there that we could be confident in to make a field goal for us. So, uh, you know, I'm glad they have him, man. And, Words can't express, like, you know, how underrated he is in this league. Yeah, speaking of Roberto Aguayo, trying to find out if he was drafted, because he was actually in the XFL draft uh, over the weekend, and he was in that pool, but I don't know if he was drafted or not. Um, I'm try- The first thing that comes up is the Tampa Bay Vipers, and if he ended up back in Tampa Bay, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I hope that happened. But I, I can't seem to find it. One other kind of sad note that I see in here is that Trent Richardson did not get drafted. Uh, 40 running backs were taken, and Trent Richardson was not one of them. So, man, that guy's, that guy's career just continues to, uh, to, 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 be a, to be sad. So <laughs> we will not be seeing Trent Richardson in the XFL. But anyway, I digress. But, yeah, it's, it's great having a guy in Josh Lambeau uh, just continuing the – uh, the continuing the line of Josh's we've had in that role, <laughs> of right. course, with with the previous guy uh, showing uh, that had a lot of success there being Josh Scobie. Now, things didn't necessarily end the best way for Josh, but it seems like uh, he as far as Scobie, that is, um, it seems like he's gotten over it because he's pretty uh, interactive with the fan base now. So it's good. Yeah, you know, it was with nice the BCB this weekend. Did you see that? 
I he tailgated not. him and Puzz tailgated with the. Oh, BC. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to see that Scobie is back and and he has he doesn't have any hard feelings. So um, back on the negative sides of things, um, the fan experience apparently um, the 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 heat of course was another uh, another issue. Ticket line issues. Uh, this is just something. Honestly, like I don't. Up, up until like the last couple of years, I remember the game we went to a couple of years ago when in 2017, the, the Jag Seahawks game and just how long it took us to get into the stadium was mm-hmm. absurd. You know, and, yeah. and I've been to, you know, I went to some games in Dallas and of course that's a much more it's a larger operation out there at AT&T stadium. And I didn't have any kind of problems getting into the stadium. And this has just been, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I'm, I'll be going to the jets game next week. Maybe I can give you guys an update, but man, what, what have you heard just from through Twitter or from, from, from fans? What do you think is going on with, with just the fan experience? I mean, we're supposed to have this, this great, you know, uh, we, we keep talking about this, you know, this, this great time that fans are supposed to be having. We have, well, we got pools and we got dog park and we got all this stuff. <laughs> right. We, it doesn't matter if we can't get into the dang stadium and then also we're melting. So what do you, what do you mean? What the heck is going on? Yeah, man. I, you know, I can only go off of what I was seeing on Twitter and, uh, yeah, man, like a lot of people, I, I was even uh, reading some people saying like the ticket uh, scanners didn't work in terms of, you know, the digital ticketing. Uh, so that was the issue. And like you said, the heat. Um, so, I mean, like the only thing like being that I haven't been there personally, I can't really say like what it what the personal experience was like. But I can say this, like they probably just need to disperse uh, the ticket lines better, you know, and they probably can't do that this year. Uh, but, you know, the I guess the way that you enter in which you enter the stadium, maybe they need to uh, make more entrances into the stadium and more organized entrances into the stadium at that. Uh, because, you look, man, standing outside 20, 30 minutes in this in the Florida, he is no joke. And especially for a team to, to, for fans to come in and watch a bad team, you need to make at least getting into the stadium not a hassle. And I mean, going to watching the team on the field when you're in the stadium, you know, I guess you really is out of shotguns control kind of because he's not the guy that concocts the roster of the product that's on the field. But, you know, it's, it's, it sounds like it's time. And me and you have talked about this. I think we've been very good about doing this over other podcasts and talking about uh, the stadium situation and the add-ons and this, that, and the other, and the tax money and, all of that, the dailies play situation, but the next add on, which we talked about Light J and um, some other projects that's going on. The next add on that needs to come with Light J is some shade point blank period. Um, especially God forbid we go into a rebuild mode and people got to watch just a, a, a terrible team on the field and sit through the sun and bake through that. But uh, yeah, they definitely need to look into something like what the Miami dolphins have like the canopy or perhaps a full roof, which would be more expensive. And, you know, th- that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time as to who going to pay for it and this, that, and the other. But Shotgun definitely needs to look into that. I mean, <laughs> I guess you could say, why should the fans have to pay for that? But that's one of the things that the fans, like, if they if it came to it, they probably wouldn't mind, at least those that have been to the game and have suffered through these, like, these terrible heat conditions. And people have been having heat strokes and, uh, just God bless those people. I hope they're doing fine as well. But 
Uh, yeah, that being said, like that needs to be one of the main topics of discussion is uh, getting some kind of shade there, uh, which, like I said, based off of what Miami has, that would cost upwards of like four hundred thousand dollars. But, uh, you know, if it's shot Khan that got to come out of pocket for it to make the fans more comfortable or even uh, I guess, like I said, the fans wouldn't mind. But something needs to be done. Uh, definitely. And the ticket uh, situation needs to be addressed as well sooner rather than later. Honestly, I think if you polled fans, and do you think that, I think the argument can be made that the the roof is some kind of shade, like I said, a, like you said, a Hard Rock Stadium esque uh, build. I think fans would say that's much more important to them than what's going on with Lot J because <laughs> right. it, honestly, like yeah, that's it, true. It's it's unbearable to be out there, man. I mean, I, I I've got some stuff going on health wise, and I couldn't even go to the first game. I just had to sit it out altogether just because mm-hmm. of the because of the heat. And you know, they they do have. I believe they now have water stations, but like. I mean, honestly, there's no reason for a a, a multi billion dollar. another thing, bro. I forgot to mention that uh, they somebody said they ran out of water on Twitter too. So Jeez. like, it's just stadium operations is just like going downhill. And I mean, of course, you know the fans are as interactive as we are. Fans are gonna let Shad Khan know. It's on him on to how he responds. But I ain't mean to cut you off. Continue though. No, you're, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't understand why the nfl or even just the team has haven't just struck a deal with zephyr hills or something just give people water why are you charging people eight dollars for a bottle of water you know what i mean and and yeah you i believe you can bring in you know you but like how quickly is that ice gonna melt you know i i mean the only game I've been to this year was the night game and it was fantastic. It was, you know what I mean? And it it was great. And and honestly, like you can speak to anybody who's been to a game in, uh, inside it. And have, have, did you go to games at the Georgia dome? I assume you had been to a game at the Georgia dome, right? I've been to the Georgia dome, but I've never been to a game there. Oddly enough. Okay. Gotcha. Oddly enough. Well, just speaking from experience, you know, having been to the old cowboy stadium, and AT&T Stadium, I mean, there's no reason for a team in the South to be playing no. a, a game outside. There's, there's no excuse for it. I don't know how Tampa's been doing it for that long, but, I mean, I'm sure their fans feel the same way. They'd love to mm-hmm. have – I bet if you ask them, they'd feel the same way. Right. But there's no reason for a team to be playing and putting their fans in 100-degree weather. It's not mm-hmm. safe. It, there, there's no way that – you know that it can be helping the fan experience that there's no excuse for that and then as far as ticketing like come on man like you said we're we're already going to go see a bad team and and now <laughs> you're going to make it even more difficult for so we so so here's what's happening so you're we're sitting in traffic okay then you got to find your parking spot then you have to walk you know walk to the stadium and then you can't get in like are you there's no there's no excuse for that mm-hmm. whatsoever so i mean i don't know what needs to be done and i don't know who you talk to i don't know if it's shad khan that just needs to make this decision or or speak with lenny curry or something but you know they, i think at one point they were talking about uh i think at one point the jags had rated one of the one of the poorest fan experiences and That's you know bad. you want to defend yeah you want to defend them because you love the team but at some point you're like yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty pretty Accurate. spot on. You know, yeah, you know, dude, like, like I want to um, chime in too on something like you were saying, like uh, getting something like Miami, uh, and, and well, you you were saying like you don't know what has to be done. Well, one of the things, love them or hate them, you know, it's the 
<laughs> the scale on him is is kind of it kind of varies on him but love him or hate him but Stephen ross uh if i can recall Stephen ross got their games albeit they have the canopy Stephen ross got a majority of their games moved to he went to the league and don't quote me on this but i think he had a lot of their games moved to four o'clock you know so i mean and i know like every team that can't would have, make a huge difference too yeah, that would make a yeah. huge difference and I don't know that, you know, I know every team clearly can't play at four o'clock. OK, I, I know that. But I think like the teams in the South should be prioritized, especially if the NFL is supposed to be this, you know, this organization that loves the fans and wants more fans to come to the games. If you live, especially in the South, especially more specifically in Florida, all three of the Florida teams should have four o'clock games. And I know like logistics go into that, like and I know like. Uh, viewership and all of that goes into it like do teams want to watch this team at four o'clock yada 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 this that and the other uh but like i said like the nfl has always said that they want to improve the fan experience and this is a way to improve the fan experience for those who are going to the game in person which is something that they've stressed is they want to cater to the people that go to the games in person so and one more thing the whole lot j thing won't matter you know what I'm saying? If the stadium keeps flunking on operations, you know what I'm saying? So this is something they got to get fixed before they can even like look into that type of thing, because people are going to be like, well, if the fan experience at the stadium is bad, then the what should I expect for the operations at Lot J and, you know, at, at Daly's place and this, that and the other. But, you know, that's that's my personal take on the matter. Yeah, and don't have any kind of numbers in terms of attendance. Not sure how things are going as far as this season, and uh, you know. But it's you look at the NFL fan has so many options and available to them now. You know, I sometimes I find myself wanting to just stay home and watch the game. Why? What's preventing me from just saying I'm not going to go out there or I'm not going to go? subject right. myself to that kind of frustration i'm going to stay home i'm going to invite my friends over we're going to watch the game on, on tv we're going to stay cool we're going to be able to eat food that's affordable right. you know we're what i mean and we're not nfl deal exactly right? <laughs> and, and we're not and we're not going and we're not going to melt you know what i mean so what's what's preventing that from happening i, I you know i don't want to be completely overreactive but you know they, they gotta they gotta get something together so uh let's let's move on to Another positive before we uh, we get towards the end here. Um, the the defensive linemen, um, especially the younger guys, Josh Allen and Dwayne Smoot, man, he didn't have any sacks <laughs> up and up until this season, and now he's got three. Uh, and you know, just great, great to see him. Four for Josh Allen. Taven Bryan even uh, has even flashed every once in a while. So um, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. He's definitely been listening to Jaguar Twitter. So <laughs> Taven Bryan has looked. <laughs> has looked solid and uh you know we've talked about the future of the team with some of the older older guys like uh you know Calais Campbell not really knowing what's going to happen with him so uh, seeing these guys it, it's even though uh you know we still held a really good Saints team to 13 points um what what do you what are your takeaways from these younger guys flashing here early on in the season yeah man like of course you know I'm on Josh Allen watch cuz of the prediction I made the, the ridiculous prediction I made in many podcasts ago of him getting 10 sacks. So, uh, by the bye, by the bye, not just 10 sacks by the bye. No, nah, wasn't, wasn't that it? No, it was by the year. Oh, no, we we're going to check in. We we're going to check in. Yeah, yeah, by the bye. Right. So, yeah, like he's almost he's almost at the halfway mark, just one more sack. So, 
we'll see how that goes. I mean, with the Bengals, he might could get one or two more, so he might be looking good by the by. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but it's just good to see him translating and. Again, going back to what you were saying earlier when we were talking about when we drafted Jalen, uh, he's another guy that just fell in our laps and just is proving that he should have been taken way ahead of where he was taken. So very thankful for him and just hope we can keep him in the future. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, Smoot has, you know, Smoot was a guy that was looking to find himself. He was every year. It's like, is this guy going to get cut? You know, is he going to be one of the roster cuts? This, that and the other. And here he is. He's finally bro- uh, broken through. Uh, and he's. I think again. I, I'll go back to what I said uh, earlier in the summer. You know, he added the weight. He's like at two eighty five ish or something like that. That's helped him. Uh, you know, being with Calais many many years has helped him. So I'm I'm glad to see him. You know, especially uh, flourishing because you know it was a struggle for him and the beginning for him was kind of tough. Uh, and then Taven, man, like. We're very hard on Taven on this podcast, you know, so anytime I can, you know, praise him and, and give him some kudos, I do, because he's one of the guys I've been lightning to the hardest. And uh, he he almost made a tackle in the backfield. Uh, I think it was Latavius Murray or it might have been Kamara, but they kind of uh, squirted through his arms. But still, like he stopped his momentum. Uh, the the rest of the team still was able to get there in the backfield and eventually make the tackle two, three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage. But that play wouldn't have been possible is what I'm saying if it wasn't for Taven Bryant. So he flashed and then he was flashing in the the uh, Houston Texans game too, like getting pressure on Deshaun Watson. And, you know, like he's really showing some signs that he could be breaking through. And he's a guy that I do really want to watch going forward, albeit, you know, I always say we should have got Deshaun Watson or uh, I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson. Lamar over Jackson. Here. Yeah, but still like the more he can fill out his potential and, and make that pick look uh, better than it was, uh, the better for Jags fans. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see, like, if Taven uh, can continue to trend upwards alongside Smoot and Allen. I think one of the things with, with Taven, and I'll include myself in this, is it, it's going to be – he's going to have to do a lot to gain the approval of the fan base because – Lamar Jackson was right there. And I think as the closer that we got to the draft, a lot more fan, a lot more fans got more and more vocal about Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson. And I think we thought we kept seeing him mocked to us. And I think that was just fool's gold because I don't think they were ever really interested in Lamar. I'm pretty sure they've come out and and said that. So I think that was really just the media hyping us up. And, and I, and that's not, that shouldn't be held against Taven, but it's going to be because right. we did not get the guy that everybody, everybody wanted. Uh, I don't think we need him to be a pro bowler for people to be. I think what I would like, he, he needs to be better than Tyson Alualu. <laughs> you know what I mean? I right, think. right. And, yeah, that's and, fair. And, and Tyson came in with a lot more uh, expectations because he was drafted way higher. Right. So I think Tyson. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Taven just needs to be better than that. And he seems like he's a good guy. Uh, he seems like he's a guy that just wants to keep his head down and play football. And and it, which probably isn't too hard for him to do with guys like Malik Jackson. I'm not Malik. I'm sorry. Uh, Marcel Darius and and Calais Campbell right there. And I, I think he, he seems like he's probably a pretty studious guy as well. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he's taking all that in. And we're we're kind of seeing 
we're kind of seeing that now, uh, which which is great, you know. So kudos to him, and it looks like he's been been getting better and better every week, and, and that's really all you you kind of ask for because last season just seemed to be kind of a complete disaster, and then things in the preseason weren't looking so great either. So it's nice to see him just you know pin his head down, keep getting right. better every single week, and we'll yeah. see where it goes from there. Um, Ooh, he's he's one of those guys like the more and more like of course me and you were mad about the pick of course when it happened, but the more and more I think about it like a lot of people dislike him and don't believe he could do it and the more and more i look at it from that perspective the more and more i want to root from him uh root right. for him because like so many people dislike him and doubt him you know what i'm saying like right. i so, will say this i don't think i've ever seen a tave and brian jersey at the stadium <laughs> nah all these florida gator fans but no tave and brian jersey anybody has and, and that's very telling because when we took Reggie Nelson, lots of Reggie Nelson jerseys. When we took Derek Harvey, lots of Derek Harvey jerseys. So the Gator players have been popular here, but Taven has gotten no love whatsoever. <laughs> it's so, so odd. And, and, I, I, and I think I, I kind of expressed that sentiment too. I do feel a little bad for him um, because, you know, he didn't. He, we, he didn't pick himself to go. Right, right. But, but ultimately, you know, we didn't get the guy that we wanted. So. It's his fault. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> moving on to the final uh, the negative here. Quincy Williams did get benched. Uh, however, Najee Good looked pretty pretty solid in his spot. Uh, Quincy Williams, of course, I think uh, I mentioned this to you, Jay, should probably file charges against Christian McCaffrey um, <laughs> after after that performance. Um, I, I mean, man. And listen, Christian McCaffrey makes a lot of guys look foolish, but right, I, unfortunately, right. Quincy was the guy uh, that last week. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, what do you what do you say? I mean, a guy that we really expect a lot out of. Um, not a good look to be to be benched uh, six games into the season. Yeah, it happened before the game. They announced that uh, Najee Good was going to be playing, and yeah, like you said, it was really a lot of it was that Christian McCaffrey game and. He's a guy that needs to Quincy Williams is speedy, man, and he needs to break down and take better angles uh, when it comes to guys like that, because they will make you look foolish. And that's exactly what happened. You know, that was kind of a concern with Quincy coming out of the draft was, you know, in space. Could he break down defenders and, uh, you know, make the adequate tackle and adequate angles? That was some of it, you know. Um, But that being said, uh, look, man. Playing weak side linebacker, it, it can be very difficult because n- the more and more I think about it, Telvin Smith struggled in the beginning too. And he struggled with a lot of the things that Quincy Williams is struggling with in a sense that uh, he's struggling with being in the right place uh, to make a tackle or being in play to make a tackle. And it, if we can recall that Telvin had Paul Puzlusty playing next to him too. And that was still something that people was like, yeah, man, Taven gets out of place or, you know, he'll take some false steps in the wrong direction, this, that, and the other. So uh, that being said, you know, like I, I think it's, it's key not to be too hard on Quincy uh, because, you know, like now that I think about it, uh, it's been a hard transition, especially when you're young and you have these such high expectations at that position, um, I think we got to kind of be careful to uh, to not put too much on this plate because another thing is, whereas Telvin Smith was coming from Florida State, Quincy Williams is coming from Murray State. Okay, it's a drastic difference. So here you have this young man who, by the way, missed all of training camp because of the meniscus situation. 
Um, he's coming from, you know, one of the smaller schools and trying to make a transition into the NFL. He just needs time, simply put. Uh, the talent that is there and the athleticism is there. Uh, he just needs time and he needs somebody that's going to be patient with him in terms of a staff and uh, work with him. And, uh, you know, he needs that uh, that veteran presence, which I'm sure Najee is going to provide for him. Uh, it, he's going to need those things to transition into the position uh but you know I, I think like they put him in there a little too soon basically so that being said Najee good looked very good uh no pun intended out there uh he made a I think he had a half a sack or a whole sack on the day he clawed the holes well uh but you know that's kind of what you expect it, although it he, albeit he was a backup uh, he's a guy that's um Battle tested. He's been around the league. He started before. I think he came from the Colts and played some games with the Eagles as well. Uh, 29 years of age. So we're talking about an eight, eight, seven, eight, nine year veteran, something like that. He's seen some things. Uh, you know, it's not a surprise that he was able to step in and uh, fill those shoes well for Quincy Williams. But let's not give up on the young rookie just yet. Yeah, definitely. I, just like I said earlier with Gardner Minshew, he's going to have those games where he struggled and. Listen, Christian McCaffrey is going to he, – he's – Quincy Williams isn't the last guy that Christian McCaffrey <laughs> is going to embarrass, okay? The guy exactly. is, is just a freak of nature, man. He embarrasses I don't, veterans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he is he is something else, man. So, you know, like, like you said, not let's not give up on Quincy just yet. He's got a lot of learning to do, and I think he's going to be a big part of the future of this team. So, yeah, that's last week, Jay, and, you know, we'll move on to – to this upcoming week against Cincinnati, we're on to Cincinnati as the the great the, the words of of Bill Belichick. Um, but yeah, what what do you expect out of this game? I, I think this is a good opportunity for them to bounce back and and hopefully get to three and four. The Bengals are just a mess right now. They do have you know some weapons uh, such as uh, um, uh, Joe Mixon. Right. Um, there has been reports that AJ Green has been practicing but i think it's a very long shot that he ends up actually playing i mean honestly if you're aj green or if you're the Bengals, why why even you know why even rush i I mean you got to think that they're probably heading into a year where they take a new a new guy at quarterback why why risk you know getting your your top guy injured and but also there's been trade rumors around aj green as well if that's the case you know then uh, why uh, put him in in jeopardy? So we'll see what happens. But what do you expect out of this out of this game? You know, against a Bengals team that has their own whole their whole own set of problems over there in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I think it's key that you know the Jaguars don't go in here and underestimate the Bengals. While they are last and next to last in a lot of key categories, I'm going to mention. Uh, you know, Zach Taylor. What scares me about the Bengals? It's it, it goes back to what we said in the past about. Todd Wash struggling against brilliant offensive minds. Now, Zach Taylor doesn't have a lot of talent there, granted, uh, but he was highly regarded in terms of an offensive mind when he was with Sean McVay uh, with the Los Angeles Rams as the quarterback coach for Jared Goff. And look, we can look at it now and look, J- Jared Goff looks like complete you-know-what right now. So, I mean, and his quarterback coach, meanwhile, is in Cincinnati, so... I don't know. Maybe you can you can put some into that. Uh, but before that, he was a receivers coach or assistance receivers coach with them. So, I mean, we all seen like the brilliant stuff that that tree can come up with that McVeigh tree and those guys on that end. Um, so that being said, you know, like 
I I just don't want to turn on my TV and see Todd Wash get gashed by this rookie head coach who's only 36 years of age, I believe he is. He's he's like the same age as McVay or somewhere in that ballpark. Um, but I think that being said, uh, the talent just simply isn't there. So uh, this is one the Jags should win. We're talking about the team that is dead last against the rush. Uh, 32nd, they allow what is it? I think it's 184.5 yards a game. As we all know, the Jazz want to establish themselves as a running team. They were in the top 10 rushing before last week, so maybe this will get them back there. But that's what they want to do. And um, I don't think that Cincinnati has the talent to stop them from that perspective. Of course, that will open up opportunities for Gardner Minshew as well. And, um, yeah, I don't – you know what I'm saying? I don't think he's going to run into a buzzsaw like we saw with the Saints because, again, going back to what I was saying, like clearly – the talent there in New Orleans is totally different from what the Jaguars are going to see here. So um, that being said, they also beat up, by the way, like three of their starters in the secondary surface on the injury report and didn't practice or were limited. So that's another thing. Like they, they are significantly more beat up than us. But yeah, in terms of all of that, I, I think the Jaguars can win this one, uh, but they do not need to go in there underestimating this team and, uh, hopefully they've been practicing hard and practicing, getting, making the right adjustments and corrections uh, to go on a win streak. You know, like so it's, it's three winnable games coming up. The Bengals, the Jets and then the the Houston Texans who will have to t- ch- um, travel to London to face us. And they barely beat us in the first place. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, looking at the Bengals uh, as far as you know, what their team looks like, of course, Andy Dalton's still there. Um, he's got uh, through these first six games, uh, averaging 277 yards through the air. He's got seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and running an 82.8. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a 34.1 QBR as far as ESPN statistics. Um, so God. not not great. Yeah, but the Jaguars have a history of making bad quarterbacks look <laughs> Yes, Good. exactly. So uh, let's exactly. let's not let, let's not count them out. Um, as far as the, the running game, Joe Mixon, I believe he did miss some time. Um, it still says he's played six games, but he hasn't really been utilized fully. Um, seventy four carries on the season for two hundred fifty two yards. That's good for only a three point four yard ca- uh, average, and he has no touchdown, uh, no rushing touchdowns yet, um, which is proven great for my fantasy team uh but uh, you know he's not uh, not having a breakout year and then as far as receivers you got tyler board with tyler boyd, tyler boyd with 40 catches for 416 yards and then the next receiver is john ross with 16 catches so it's not really an offense that's been able to spread the ball around too too much tyler eifert certainly isn't the guy that he used to be and that's that's credited to injuries unfortunately for for that guy um defensively nothing really is standing out um let's see here defensive lineman sam hubbard it leads the team in sacks it looks like with three so not nobody really sticking out defensively as well i mean look the the Bengals they are um they are winless uh, uh for a reason right, right. they are uh, they're 0-6 and um down there with uh with the dolphins and uh well i guess the um the redskins have now won on i mean i mean they kind of fell into a victory over the dolphins so it's, <laughs> right. it's not like they're doing too much either and then uh, of course the broncos just got 
schlack tonight against the Chiefs, even without Patrick Mahomes. So they are among some the worst teams. But again, uh, we just saw the Cowboys lose to the Jets. So you, you never know what can happen um, in, in, in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, we will see. Uh, hopefully we get a rebound game and a nice game from Gardner Minshew. And and I, I think this is uh, a good follow up for the uh, for the last couple of a couple of weeks. So, yeah, make sure you stay tuned to the Jaguars wire for every for, you know, all the coverage leading up to the game. A.J. Green will not be uh, facing up against Jalen in, uh, in the revenge game of their brawl. So we right. won't see that. We won't be seeing that happen. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. Jay, you know, we're, we're, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Uh, what does everybody have to look forward to? Where can they find it? And then we'll get out of here. Yeah, man. Um, with it being Friday, it'll probably be kind of a chilled day uh, on the Jags. I mean, well, on the Jags wire end, uh, you know, we'll just get out a couple articles tomorrow. Uh, Saturday, we kind of use as our um, college day, if you will, draft day. I, I don't know if y'all noticed that it's um, a lot of like we, we talk about mock drafts. Uh, we the, and then Daniel does the um the draft prospect thing. So I kind of use that as a day to you know with it being college football on TV, kind of use that as a day to reflect on some college football. And then of course, uh, Sunday we'll be up and at it early in the morning as we have been uh, starting you off with a couple pregame posts, roughly three to four. Uh, we'll have some in-game posts during the game. Um, hopefully it's an eventful one. It should be. And then we have post game posts as well, um, just talking about the results and uh, who looked good, who looked bad, this, that, and the other. So uh, we got a lot going on in the next coming days. Uh, stay tuned to the Jaguars Wire, and uh, yeah, hopefully you all enjoy the content this week. And it comes with a win. Yeah. All right. Yeah, guys. So of course we have the uh, we we appreciate all of the support that we have gotten so far again if you want to support the podcast please go to apple podcast and give us that five star review if you believe we have earned it and again we're on soundcloud stitcher TuneIn, audio boom and of course if you want to follow us we're at, at jags den podcast at the jaguars wire you can find jay at sports grind underscore don myself at phil the filipino f i l i p i n o and jacob is at underscore j Della. But that is it for us this week, you guys. Thanks for so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Jags Den podcast. Everybody stay safe out there. Go Jaguars. And you know what? Because Jacob's not here, I'll cover it. <laughs> Always remember, Miles Jack was not, will not, and will never be down. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>